0: Hello and welcome to Sermons from First Press, a weekly podcast from the First Presbyterian Church of Ann Arbor, Michigan.
1: The scripture for today comes from the Prophecy Isaiah, the 55th chapter, verses 1-9. through Hear the word of God. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and that you have no money, come, buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without money and without price why do you spend your money for which that is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food incline your ear and come to me listen so that you may live i will make you with an everlasting covenant my steadfast sure love for david see I made David a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know and nations that do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel who has glorified you. Seek the Lord while God may be found. Call upon the Lord who is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and their righteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord, that God may have mercy on them, and to our God, who will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, said the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Grace and peace to you, dear friends. I'm Rick Spaulding the interim pastor at First Press just now. I'll read the New Testament reading for today in just a moment. But let's start at the very beginning, almost. Let's pick up the Genesis story on the second day, just after the creation of light and the separation of the night from the day. And God said, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. So God made the dome and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome, and it was so. God called the dome sky, and there was evening and there was morning, the second day. And God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so, God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together God called seas, and God saw that it was good. It's interesting to notice that land is the afterthought. Not that water was invented to fill the hollows and chasms, but that water came first, and then was moved aside to make room for what came next. In fact, when God begins, water is everywhere, and then God divides it with a vault so that in the ancient Hebrew worldview, there are waters above and waters below. Separating waters from waters was evidently work enough for the second day, and it was good, And then, only on the third day, when the work of creation was already almost half done, comes the making of a place in the midst of the waters, a place balanced somehow between the waters for the likes of us and our kindred creatures. The worldview in which we are steeped, or we might even say drenched, starts with water on all sides. So it probably wasn't even surprising several millennia later when the human creatures discovered that they themselves were 60% water. God moved water around to make room for land, moved water around to make room for cell walls and nuclei and mitochondria and blood and tissues and muscle. Water isn't really our environment as much as it's our other parent along with the humus that perhaps we more closely resemble. And if we don't renew our family tie by taking it in a few ounces a day, well, it's back to dust for us. Let me share with you another ancient bit of wisdom, actually written down perhaps within only a few hundred years of the Genesis creation story. This is from the ancient Chinese book of wisdom known as the I Ching. The wind blows over the lake and stirs the surface of the water. Thus, visible effects of the invisible manifest themselves. Another true thing about water is that it shows us things that we'd otherwise have a hard time seeing. And therein lies some of its particular holiness. To see the surface of the lake with the wind blowing across it is perhaps to begin to imagine seeing the way God works in this world with power that is entirely invisible but unmistakably real. As though you can't see the hand but you can see the grace and healing and justice that the hand stirs as it passes. Or we can look at the surface another way. We can wait until it calms and then stare at it. When we do that, we see part of the truth. We see a reflection of what we look like, though it exactly reverses the image of what other people see when they look at us. But we don't see what lies within. We don't see into the depths of the self whose face is reflected, or for that matter, into the depths of the water below the reflective surface. But we know that the truth of the water, the full truth is in those depths, just as we know that the full truth of the self is in that phase. Which brings us to the story that is our New Testament lesson this morning, from the eighth chapter of the book of the Acts of the Apostles. The story of what happened when Philip, who was one of the first members of the Easter community of disciples met an Ethiopian on a wilderness road that leads west from the heights of Jerusalem down to the city of Gaza. Listen now for a word of God. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza this is a wilderness road so philip got up and went now there was an ethiopian eunuch a court official of the Candace, queen of the ethiopians in charge of her entire treasury he had come to jerusalem to worship and was returning home seated in his chariot he was reading the prophet isaiah Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? The Ethiopian replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now, the passage of the scripture that the Ethiopian was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb, silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, About whom, may I ask, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then, Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, Philip proclaimed to the Ethiopian the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Both of these two seem to need a little nudge in order to get to the meaning of their encounter. Philip, like the other members of Jesus' inner circle, was surely transformed by the fresh joy of Easter spilling out everywhere. But apparently, he still needed some help in recognizing actual opportunities to put that joy to work. There on the road, he seems to have needed the Holy Spirit to whisper, Here, this one. As for the Ethiopian, for the author of this story, he is certainly a symbol. This is meant to be a story of the first expansion of the gospel beyond Jesus' original circle. The gospel story, the moving of the power of love across the surface of history, stirring the human race, has the power, we know this, to glide across the obvious social and cultural boundaries. But the Ethiopian is more than just a cultural symbol, he's also a person and a person who may actually have just come from an experience of being seen and treated only as a symbol. He's on his way from Jerusalem, the story says, having gone up to the city to worship. Clearly, he is one of the tribe of Ethiopians who trace their heritage to the God of Israel. But because he is a eunuch, and the storyteller, as you heard, refers to him that way five times, Because he is a eunuch, he would have been barred by law and custom from the inner circle of worship in the temple. As he begins the long journey home, he's reading Isaiah, perhaps as a way of thinking more about what he saw and heard and felt in Jerusalem, wondering what his relationship to it all could be. Now, there are any number of passages that that Ethiopian could have found his way to in the book of the prophet Isaiah, that might have warmed his heart there in the chariot on the way home. Comfort, comfort ye my people, perhaps. Or, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. Or, they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. Or, you shall go forth in joy and be led forth in peace. Any of those. But no, he's reading The servant's song in Isaiah's 53rd chapter, which is a bit of the book that we save for Good Friday. As a sheep that is led to the slaughter, so he opened not his mouth. In humiliation, justice was denied him. Not necessarily a passage to make you want to sign right up. Unless, unless you know something about humiliation yourself. Unless your life gives you ways of knowing things about the deafening silence of powerlessness. Unless you've been treated as a symbol or been forgotten, been denied justice or pushed aside or told that what you represent is not welcome, not appropriate, not clean. Unless for whatever reason, you didn't feel like you belong. We can't be sure what the Ethiopian experienced in Jerusalem, the story doesn't tell us. But we know what culture and custom had to say about him, which maybe are not so different from what culture and custom would have to say about him now in some places, some districts where he might try to register to vote, some neighborhoods he might go jogging through. And we know that he would not have been the first or the last to find himself pushed aside by those who put cleanliness above godliness, those who want to keep their religion or their neighborhood tidy by circumscribing people and ideas that look different. If Philip's experience seems more familiar, maybe it's because we see habits of our own reflected in it. Sometimes we need a nudge to recognize the family resemblance in a stranger. Sometimes the spirit needs to whisper, here, this one, to get us to see a sibling in the depths behind a face that looks only like something different on the surface. So maybe it's not so strange after all that of all passages, this song of the servant suffering in silence would be the one that compelled the Ethiopian heading home from Jerusalem. Luke, the storyteller of the book of Acts, is right that it often takes the movement of the spirit herself to haul us out into the road, hoist us up into someone else's chariot and share their journey. It takes a nudge to get us to recognize when someone else is trying to read the ripples on the surface of the water, wondering about the power that moves them, wondering what there might be to see in the depths if they could figure out how to look beyond the surfaces as they're riding along together in the chariot, reading the words and feeling the power that moves across the page. Of all things, suddenly the Ethiopian eunuch says, look, here is water, and stops the chariot. Look, here is water, helping us to see things that otherwise we have a hard time seeing. What is to prevent me from being baptized, he asks. And the spirit moving across the surface of that lake or pond or pool or whatever it was beside the wilderness road has already got us cornered. Because by the time the Ethiopian eunuch asks, we know what the answer is. Of course, there is nothing, nothing at all to prevent you from being baptized. Look, here is water. And here is the Spirit stirring the surface of our relationships, showing us who we are in our depths, showing us who God is in God's depths, willing to pour out life in order that we might have life and have it abundantly. Look, here is water. And though it marks the eunuch forever as one for whom Jesus was willing to suffer, this baptism, changes both of them, how they see each other, how they read the ripples. Just as the arrival in our midst of a beautiful group of new members a bit later in this service will change all of us, widen our way of seeing each other as siblings, deepen our way of understanding the poured out love of God in the suffering servant, Jesus Christ. Well, we can't quite leave it there though, can we? We remember that one of the properties of water is to show us things that we otherwise have a hard time seeing. And we remember how the creation story says that in the beginning, God balanced life carefully in between the water above and the water below. How God made room for life in the midst of water, put carefully in its place, and that it took God almost a whole day in the process of world-making just to do that. Though the Genesis story doesn't say this, I like to read between the lines a little of this detail, that it took a whole chunk of the time needed for creation just to put the waters in their places. A whole biblical day of millennia, maybe, to solidify some of those waters into the ethereal blue of the glaciers and to freeze and sprinkle some of it into the snow and ice at the poles. And eventually to etch the valleys where it could flow and the lakes where it could gather, the lakes with their surfaces to show us how visible effects of the invisible manifest themselves. It took a lot of divine energy to put the waters where they needed to be for there to be room for life including one supposes to stash a little bit of water beside the wilderness road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza so that it would be there at just the right moment. And if all this carefully placed water shows us things that we otherwise have a hard time seeing, well, maybe another part of that for those with eyes to see is that Rearranging of that placement is a way of undoing the work of God if it's done thoughtlessly or greedily. Now, with the ice melting, the dams breaking, the rivers flooding, the hurricanes raging, the lead leaching into the pipes, the fires burning out of control, Well, what is the water trying to tell us that we have a hard time seeing without its help? Something invisible is moving across the surface of time. Of this time, I mean, the paper this morning. It's so beautiful, isn't it? So beautiful and so complicated. It marks us as God's own. It invites us to look deeply into ourselves and see how God's love transforms us. And if we're willing to look into the depths of our relationship with the intricate web of life, air and soil and creatures and glaciers and forests full of trees that are praying everything for which God moved the waters out of the way in order to make room. If we are unwilling to see what water helps us to see, that we have a hard time seeing ourselves without it. Well, what then? It's in the book of the prophet Isaiah, of course, of all places, that it says, Ho, everyone! Come to the waters. Come and choose life. And when you come, remember to watch for what it's hard for us to see without it. For the wind blows over the lake and stirs the surface of the water. Thus visible effects of the invisible manifest themselves. May it be
2: so. Amen. Friends, let us pray. God, our creator, through your love, you have given us these gifts to share. Accept them, bless them, use them, extend them for the sake of the gospel in the world. All this we pray through Christ our Lord. Let the people say, Amen. And now let us continue on in the spirit of prayer. Let us pray. Holy God, God, who spins the planets and sings the stars to shine, all creation glistens with your glory. We praise you for this gorgeous spring, a bright change from the cold air and brown landscape of winter. We are grateful for the changing season, for rainy days and green grass, for bright purple red buds, for the orioles and grosbeaks at our feeders, and the frogs peeping at night. For all your glistening glory, we praise you, even on days in which too much of our lives are spent inside, fearful of what may lurk outside of our sanitized spaces. We look for a virus we cannot see instead of looking up to you and living our faith freely and outwardly without fear. We're doing our best, God, it's so very hard. We feel your presence holding us as we endure. We so want to be unmasked, literally and figuratively, feeling normal and natural with one another. Thank you that we can still see and know one another when we are creative and committed, for that cloth that covers our faces and protects our lungs is no match for our longing for human connection and loving outreach. In the midst of a worldwide crisis, there is so much that summons us to marvel, give us eyes to see you and what surrounds us and remember to offer our praise. But in all that glistens, there is groaning too, the groaning of creation. Our cities are quaking as seas are rising while we continue to debate about a reality we have the privilege to not yet endure. The people of Midland do not have that privilege now and are suffering in a particular and tragic way. We plead for your presence of help and healing to see them through these days and restore them to whole, vibrant, secure lives. Send aid, call forth assistance, let angels appear. Let us stand at their side, wait with them and help them as the waters reside and debris is cleared and rebuilding begins. We all, Lord, know the power of water, and when that power is against us, we are humbled. Come, Lord Jesus. Creation groans. God, you must despise our worship of convenience that floats as plastic islands in your oceans. You must be so offended as we erase the colors of your great barrier reef before our children get to see. God, all creation groans under the weight of our indifference. Help us to act, to come together, to understand finally the urgency, to mourn what we have lost and turn towards you, your wisdom, your way, and your work. Help us when we're so easily overwhelmed by what we should do, frozen by the enormity of all that is wrong, distracted by our own things, big things that consume our being. Help us when we misappropriate our hope shrinking it to what we can see, delegating it to those who profit on your creation's peril, forgetting that you are the God of all creation, that it was you who breathed us into being and calls us to create like you. O oh Lord, even as we think about our planet, our climate, the waters that both give life and bring about death, the burdens of this world are great. This day, we pray for all who suffer, all who mourn, all who are terrified of an uncertain future, all who are battling demons in their present. We pray for those who've lost jobs, lost hope, and lost loved ones. We pray for those who respond on the front lines, in the grocery aisles, in the back of ambulances, those who bring us our mail, those who prepare our prescriptions there are not enough words of gratitude for those heroes. We pray for our new members, beautiful and brave, for all their hopes and all their needs, for a full and fruitful connection with this family of faith. If you could do what only you could do, if you could take what is broken, our hearts, our priorities, this earth, and hold us, change us, and love us into something new, if you could just do what you do, God, and create again, breathe life into our dusty, dry souls, use our broken hearts and our willing but weary hands, and call beauty out of what is broken, make us to be creators of healing and wholeness, for we want to want with you, to work with you for a better day. All this we ask in the strong name of Jesus Christ. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
0: Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information, visit us on the web at www.firstpresbyterian.org or send an email to info at firstpresbyterian.org. See you next week for another
2: Sermon from First Press.